We're Chris and Sandy, bit with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I say on every episode, who do we have? Yes, we have with us Karen Kingsbury. She is a best-selling author with 25 million books sold. And she has some upcoming movies and a TV show featuring her book characters. Karen has become what Publishers Weekly calls an inspirational fiction superstar. And we're excited to have her on. So yes. welcome to the show. Welcome. Well, thank you so much, Chris and Sandy. It's so good to be here with you. And it's great to see you this time. It is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so fun. So um, always, as you know, from last time, I like to start the show out the same way. How has COVID affected you and what have you done to kind of maneuver through this last 18 months? Well, we all uh, actually, all, our whole family, including my mom, who's 80, we all got COVID a year ago. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And we, mm-hmm. it was very mild. Um, we had heard about taking vitamin D. And so okay. we take that, we take vitamin D, we actually take 10,000 a day. So we all have high levels of vitamin D and we all have very mild cases that never went respiratory yeah. um, it, for any of us. We all had, we all were, we were tired. Um, you know, I had one day of sort of feeling achy and then yeah. not just very tired, really. I mean, so tired, like I was sleeping 12 hour days and like 12 hours at night and like through the day. Mm-hmm. And we lost our taste and smell for a couple days. But that was it. And so it's tragic to me that people don't know about that, you know, just about taking their vitamin D. And then, of course, there's so many ways that it can um, be treated ahead of time after you you know when it's still in the mild case. Anyway, it's there's a I think it's an interesting time in terms of books. I mean, I think more people are reading. So that's You know, that's, that's very thing, good for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, otherwise, we all still have antibodies, and so we feel we feel great and are out and about and living. Love that. You know, that's yeah. like when we first launched a show, January 2020. You know, a couple months before COVID. You know, we, our original plan was maybe a hundred interviews. Um, we thought we'd be a great foundation for first year, and then COVID happens. And I remember telling Sandy, I was like, "This could be our silver lining. Everybody's shutting down at that time." And it could give our chance for a show to bring people on that normally wouldn't come on a brand new show. Right. And because of that, we've done over 300 interviews last year and we're over 460 now. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and I think for all of us, if we're looking, there's a silver lining. There's a way that God is doing something in your life mm-hmm. or in, in, the, in our culture that we're supposed to be a part of. I mean, I always tell exactly. our kids, like, yes. you were born to be a part of this. So it's, yeah, it's not my favorite choice, but let's you know take a stand and love people and and all the things we can do to make a difference exactly yes so you know a lot of people would ask when did you know you wanted to become an author um i like to go deeper than that when did it click that you had the skills to actually make a career out of it well i wrote my first book when i was five Oh wow! Yeah, I was so little but i wrote i stapled pages together and i was all about it it was it was I was like, it was like a love affair with writing at that point. Mm -hmm. But as I was growing up, my dad would, I would write a short story, take it to my dad and he would read it and he would get tears in his eyes and he would say, Karen, one day everyone is going to know you're writing and someone has to be the next best-selling author. I think it's going to be you. So I was like 12 and 14, but he believed in my dream and he could see it before I even saw it. And I would say, you know, even, even I, I got my degree in journalism, wrote for the LA times uh, and the LA daily news. I was the front page reporter for a while. 
um, for a few years. And I did four true crime books that came out of that, which oh, not wow. my favorite. I never was not a reader of true crime, but suddenly I was writing yeah. it and <laughs> but, put me home. You know, it was like a, a way to be home with my, my newborn daughter at the yeah. time. And my husband and I had prayed for that. But after those four books, I wrote my first, you know, I would call life-changing fiction book called Where Yesterday Lives. And yeah, I'll tell you, it was six books before where I thought I'm going to have to wait tables to support this fiction <laughs> that I have. <laughs> but somewhere along the way after that, when I started writing about the Baxters. Oh, yes. 2001, right around that time, mm -hmm. it was it was like God opened the floodgates and I could... It's like, oh, I remember having a very emotional day of just gratitude and tears and like, hey, this is happening. It's going to work. Wow. I love that. And it's great that you had a dad that believed in you. Because, again, it is. you know, we interview a lot of people and we know a lot of people within the entertainment industry, whether it's an author, actor, doesn't matter. But a lot of times the some of the times what we've seen is the difference between a person making it versus person doesn't is that parent that believes them or not oh it's so true and now we've raised six kids and our daughter and son-in-law have been married 10 years they have three little boys and the oldest one just turned six all he wanted for his birthday was mm -hmm. a desk and a typewriter and he wants oh, wow. to write a book so oh, i'm seeing it play over again so i got to look him in the eyes and say hudson Somebody has to be the next best-selling author. And, I, <laughs> yes. and it was just, and he did a little dance, but his parents are doing the same thing that we did for our kids wow. and my dad did for me. You have to believe in your kids right. and breathe life into their dreams. You know, yes. that's like our little Chris, which you'll hear from him later, as you know, he comes on our show, but um, mm -hmm. he's nine and he wants to start his own little podcast. We yes. told him that next summer we'll plan this out we'll and go he's going to, and we're going to help him get a little show going. Mm -hmm. Very good. See, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know, you never know. He could be the next Bobby Bones. That's yeah. right. And somebody it has to start somewhere. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> so let's you know, talk about your current book that you got out now, Forgiving Paris. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So Forgiving Paris is a standalone book, but it does deal with a character I've written about before, Ashley ah. Baxter. She is headed to Paris to do an art show. She's an artist. And she is going with her husband of 18 years. They're having their anniversary. So it's all kind of lining up to be this perfect trip. But there's a problem. And, and her husband knows about it. 23 years earlier, when she went to Paris for the first time, mm -hmm. Ashley made the greatest mistake of her life. And she had an affair with a married artist who was having many affairs. But she got caught mm -hmm. up in that. And even to this day, like though she's taken it to God, she feels like the Lord has forgiven her. And mm. her but she hasn't, but she hasn't, that's just oh it. So it's her time to forgive Paris. And, you know, I think as people read it, what I'm hearing, even this early on is just that people are seeing their own Paris, that everyone has a Paris, mm. something they said or did that they struggle to forgive themselves. And so this yeah. is a journey of the heart. It's a, a novel that I think, well, you'll need a box of tissues for forgiving Paris. <laughs> and you know, it's so true out there. You know, the last person that you forgive is yourself. It always, it doesn't oh, matter what it is, so you know, you, you know, you go through this and the guilt and the shame that you feel through whatever it is your past is. Mm -hmm. That's what holds a lot of people back that I've seen. It's like, um, it's like if they can just give the guilt and shame to God, like he yes, wants, turn it over. It, they, exactly. their life would change. Right. That's so true. You know, there's something that Landon is just the most, he's very 
loving and understanding husband. And he has been because Ashley's had quite the journey. But uh, he tells her to head off to Paris. He says, I was reading in Mark chapter four, and I read about Jesus who is asleep in the boat and a storm comes up and the disciples have to wake him up. Wake up, wake up. There's a storm. We're going to die. And Jesus Mm -hmm. gets up and he calms the storm. And that story is account. You know, it's detailed in several of the gospels, but in Mm -hmm. chapter four of Mark, it talks about the little boats that were also on the sea that day and how the Lord calmed the storm for them too, uh, as he was, as he was working with the disciples. So Landon says, let's look for the little boats when we go to Paris. Let's see if there wasn't something, someone that you, your story touched their story in a way that made all the difference, even though you thought it was the worst possible time. Exactly. Oh, yes. <clears throat> So, you know, you talk about that having faith doesn't always guarantee happy endings. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. You know, and that's that's, that's a I misconception a lot of people have. It is. Yeah. That's what I love to write about. I love to write about the real stories, the real situations, the struggles. Um, my One of my books recently was about an embryo adoption where the parents who adopted the embryo, never told their child that she was an right. adopted embryo rather than fully blood related. Just things like that. We, <clears throat> we have things that we do in life that are normal to make, we make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think exactly. it's important to remember that God forgives us in the midst of that. That is awesome. So what are a few moments when you look back on your career that you're a few wow moments, you're like, wow, that happened. Yeah, you know, one of those um, is really, really is re- coming up next year uh, is the Baxters on television. And oh, there was a moment yes. my dad had said to me, uh, he said back when I first wrote my first Baxter book, he said, Karen, this should be a television series. And I think you need to call that Roma Downey woman who was in touch by an angel. And so I said, well, dad. I said, I don't, I don't actually know her. So I don't have any way to call her. Well, flash forward 15 years and it was Roma Downey calling me on the phone. I I would like your blessing to turn the Baxters into a television show. So sure enough, that's what's happening. We have three seasons filmed and ready to release next year. Oh, looking forward to that. That is really awesome. Because again, you know, and it's one of them doors that you didn't expect. Exactly. No, and it was a total, um, you know, just only Valora could have met me in that place. Like, and I think it would be Roma Downey, you know, all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times people think, you know, you, you do stuff and you want immediate results and you don't get immediate results. So God may not be behind you. And what they don't see from what I can tell is that God's working behind the scenes when you don't know he's working the whole time and all of a sudden you get this opportunity. Cause again, you know, a lot of people miss that concept that, that, you know, success happens when opportunity and preparedness meet. Well, if you're not prepared, then when that opportunity comes, you're going to destroy it. So God's working behind the scenes while you're being prepared. Exactly. And you know, with, with Ashley, she looks back and again, sees nothing but negative. Didn't even want to go back to Paris. But now that she's back there, she finds out some dramatic things that happened, you know, that she had to leave the art gallery where she was working because she gets pregnant from this, this married artist. 
and he just wants her to get an abortion. And she, she chooses not to get the abortion. And when she runs out of that clinic, another girl runs out of that clinic too. And that baby is alive because of Ashley. So like the things you don't see and you won't even always know this side of heaven. That's where God's at work. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. I know a lot of people that, you know, they post stuff on Facebook, not realizing that people are watching. And all of a sudden you go through this moment and it helps that next person go through their moment, even though you may never know. Right. Right. In fact, your husband even brings up the fact that would we be together if you hadn't have been so broken, a single mom, would we even be together if that hadn't happened? So, wow. you know, it's Romans 8, 28, that God promises all things work to the good for those who love him. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I went through 19 years of addictions until God healed me almost 14 years ago. But the first five years of our marriage was really hell on her because it doesn't. But, you know, she loved me through them, loved me yeah. inside of them, however you want to say it. But, you know, sometimes people will tell us that, oh, she allowed you to walk over her. And that's not what they don't understand. She allowed me to experience God's pure love through her. So if I wasn't that broken, she might not would have been in my life. That's right. And and that's something that Landon understands. He's the, he's Ashley's husband. As we walk through the story of forgiving Paris, we get to see his grace person in the personification of what Jesus would be doing as well at the same time, just accepting her, asking her to look deeper, to see the beauty that comes from the ashes of something like, Paris, whatever your Paris is. But in this case, for her, a very big, big problem that she had to walk through. That is awesome. Now, as you know, a lot of people, they see you as a best-selling author. They see the glory behind that. But they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggle it takes, not just to become a best-selling author, but even a career within, whether it's within entertainment, whether it's being an Mm -hmm. author, whether it's being an artist and an actor. actor. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always want to talk about that because I think that sometimes people think, oh, I got talent. I can write. I can do this. It'll just come naturally because God's with me. But we both know that's not true. You're going to be pruned through the process. So tell us a little bit about the sacrifices and struggles you've had to get through to get to here today. Well, you know, I had a publisher once tell me, Chris, he said, when you write a book, you're getting in a boat. And he said, you're going to be rowing and we're going to be rowing. If you think we're going to be the only ones rowing, we're just going around in circles. You know, I think with God, when he puts a calling on your life to do something, acting, singing, writing, that you can't just sit back and go, okay, well, I'll just write the book and there it is. And I'm not going to work on my craft and I'm not going to, you know, rewrite certain sections. I'm just going to write it and it'll do perfectly well. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. You, you know, I, the hardest thing for me, I'm very extroverted and it's hard for me to get away and just find that quiet place where I need to do my writing. And when I do that, I'll, I'll have to have a box of tissues. When I write a book like Forgiving Paris, I'm crying. I'm the first reader. And it really just feels like the Lord's downloading it to my heart. But, you know, along the way, like six books in, and I'm still thinking I have to wait tables to do this. So it's <laughs> carry on and don't give up until the Lord himself closes the door. <laughs> I mean, like, look at David. You know, he, he was this master heart player, but he still had to do that every day. He still had to practice. He still he had to be prepared for that moment that God intertwined that. Right. And if he and wasn't, I, it yeah. had to change everything. Right. How are you going to be playing then in that, in that setting? So you, I have a conference that I just started last year called Believe. And mm-hmm. it's only for 120 people. And it's a writer's, it's an intensive writer's 
course that has 17 courses, 17 little like lessons that are part of it. It's a three-day conference. And it was so fun to see these writers come and really realize how much they're going to have to roll up their sleeves and work hard if they want to have anyone look at their first page. Yes. So as you know, a lot of people, they see um, you, but they don't see the teams behind you. And in our opinion, the teams never get the love they deserve. They don't. On our show, Mm -hmm. they do. So tell us a little bit about the teams that help you be who you are. Well, it starts with my husband. I get to bounce story ideas off of him. And he's really sort of, he's he's, uh, been a teacher and a basketball coach for 30 years, but now he's home and he's helping out with, we have so many aspects of the life-changing fiction business now. It's Mm -hmm. like a movie and he sort of is, he's a little bit of all of it really over, I mean, really praying for us and whether it's taking something to the mail or listening to me talk about an outline or whatever it would be. So he's, he's at the top. And then my sister, Trish, she's been my full-time assistant for 15 years. My son, EJ is running full-time for his job. Uh, He runs, you were seen, you were seen as a movement we started um, last year. And it's about getting a pack of cards that say you were seen and passing them out when you meet somebody. Uh, barista, cashier, police officer, whoever it might be, and giving them five bucks, you know, give them something for a cup of coffee, or if it's a restaurant, give them an extraordinary tip. And it's You Were Seen by me today, but by God every day. And then there's a website to go to that leads you to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association's website and the Plan for Salvation help links 24-7 prayer line, all you could need in one little card. So EJ runs that. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law, Kelsey and Kyle, they are my design team. They do all things website, newsletters, put all of that together. They're always on top of uh, my social media. And even because I've got these different businesses, you know, the, whether it's the Belong, Believe, Signature Events, or the You Were Seen, Kelsey and Kyle do all the design work for that. Wow. My son, Austin, he is the um, events director. He handles He's, we, we always say we want to be a concierge level of service to people who do any of our events. So he's over that. And then Tyler, my son Tyler and I write together. So we have a, a group of children's books we've written. And then now we're writing scripts for some new TV series based on my books that will come out next year. Wow. So you're truly a family business. We really are. And then my agent, Rick, is amazing. He's always praying for us. And he's been my agent for 20 years. And so he's incredible, too. And my team, you know, at Simon & Schuster, Atria Publishing has been incredible. Um, I could go on with the list of names there. But Trish Todd is my editor. And, yeah, I mean, it takes all of these people and more. It takes a village. Yeah, it does. And that's the part I think people miss because, you know, again, you know, you can't do what you do without the team behind you. And people, and you're just the front man on, on it, you know, that people see you, you know, you know, granted it takes a lot of work to do what you do too. You know? But again, without them, you can't do that. Oh, it's so true. And when people come up to me, if I speak at a women's event or something and they come up and they get in line and they walk up and then they're, they're crying and they say, your book, you know, changed my life. It saved my marriage. It touched my heart. I never saw God that way, whatever. And, and they've yeah. read one of my novels. And it's so amazing because then I can say, well, actually, God put that story on my heart Mm. and he had your heart in mind and only he could do that. So then at the end of the day, really, like I get to just be the first reader. I'm just downloading what God gave me. And I often feel like I have the smallest part of all, but I'm honored to be a part of it. (laughs) 
love that. So tell us a husband story where, you know, he's, you probably got thousands of them, but one where he went above and beyond and you're like, wow, he really gets that I am called to this. Oh, he's amazing. We'll go. I mean, he does silly things. Like we go to a bookstore, he'll find my book to make sure that they're face out, not spine out. <laughs> when we first, when I first started writing, he would pick up a book and he'd say, I, can't, I would have to leave the aisle because I'd be so embarrassed. But he would say, Karen Kingsbury. Wow. Has anyone read this book? This is a great book. Like, just embarrassing himself and just being so funny. But he's also the encourager. So like I'll be writing a scene and writing about a character who's passing away and I don't want her to die and I'm writing slower and so tears start to come and then she takes her last breath and I put my laptop down and I'm just having a good cry over losing this character and he'll come through the room and be like, honey, what, what's happening? Why are you crying? You know, this is like early on and I would say, well, my herbal died, you know, this character died and, and, and he'd be like, character? I mean, you killed her. Like, how can I just play with you? But the beautiful thing is now he just pats my head and gives me a tissue like he knows. So, yeah, he's amazing. Wow, I love that. And, you know, speaking of family, as you know, we have a third co-host, our little nine-year-old. And yes. where last year he'd asked one question, he asked three questions now. Yeah. Um, so Sandy's going to go get, get him. him. Okay. Yeah. Like, and we have a two and a half year old daughter that when she gets older now, she'll be plugged in the show too. Cause as you know, we're a family affair, just like you're just like you are. I mean, it makes all the difference. It makes work fun every single day. And it already is fun that it's ministry and that it's, you know, people are telling me that their lives are changed and mm -hmm. drawn closer to God because they read a novel. That's already a most amazing sort of sense of fulfillment, but working with your family while you do that is again, it's just a, it's heaven on earth. It really is. Yeah, because through the years, you know, Sandy and I have been married 19 years, and through the years, people would always say, you know, I couldn't work with my husband like that. And my first thought is, well, you ain't got to worry about it because you're not married to me. <laughs> I don't say that, but that's yeah, that's my first thought. But again, it's one of the things that's like people have no that they've been brainwashed by society that you that people can't do that. They have no idea how much that it could actually in, um, enhance their marriage if they, they found a way, God's way to yeah. work together. And that's like Kelsey and Kyle, my daughter and son-in-law who work as my design team. I mean, they get to work from home. They get to be there for their kids. They can set their hours however they need to. It's great. Mm -hmm. Hi. Uh, hi, Karen Kingsbury. So what's your favorite food? Ooh, right now it's going to sound really funny. I'm going to say whipped mashed cauliflower. I really love it. You have to try it. Cook your cauliflower, whip yeah. it up like in a blender with some butter and salt. It's so good. And what's yours? Nice pizza. Oh, yeah. Well, pizza's up there, too. There were there was a time back in the day when I would eat pizza. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> He'd eat it all day long right now. But, yeah. he, of course, you know, he runs it off. So <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was his age, I could eat anything I wanted. Right. <laughs> so what's it for a TV show? My favorite TV show right now, I, we, we've watched a lot of lately. It seems like just for some laughs, we've watched Everybody Loves Raymond. And so uh, that one's been fun. That's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. We like that one. And what's yours? Mine is SpongeBob. Oh, well, yeah. SpongeBob's pretty funny, too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been pretty cool because he watches a lot of Nickelodeon and Disney um, shows. So because we bring on actor and actresses on the show, 
we've brought quite a bit of people from his shows on. So he's got a chance to talk to them. That's fun. <laughs> Never would imagine that either, but here we oh, are. Yeah. That's amazing. So what's it for a movie? Well, my favorite movie, I really like Saving Mr. Banks, which is a Tom Hanks movie where he plays Walt Disney. And it's about the uh, creation of Mary Poppins and about the author of Mary Poppins. I think I can relate to it because of being an author. And I also love everything about Walt Disney and Disney World. Wow. Yours? Mine is the Minions movie. Ah, yes. The Minions movie. I have kids who love that one. And I'll tell you what, they've built such a strong brand. Yes. Because <laughs> what kid doesn't like the Minions? I know. I know. Every every Christmas, there's a Minion under our tree somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Nate. Bye. <laughs> yeah, he, he loves to be on the show. And we, you know, again, like I said, next year, summer, we're going to start his own little show podcast and yeah. see where that goes. We, we've got some ideas of what he yeah. can do. So, you know, that's great. <clears throat> so if you could co-author a book with any author out there, who would you want it to be? Mm, well, if we did living or dead, I would say C.S. Lewis. That'd be oh, fun. That's that, great would, that would be a great one. Yeah, that really would. Maybe Randy Alcorn. He's a good friend wow. of mine. And I love, uh, he has, of course, all the books that he's written about heaven are so phenomenal. Um, and he's also a very good novelist, but he's a friend and he has been for a long time. I think it'd be fun to work with him. Uh, yeah. Now, this question probably has a thousand answers, just like the one before. Oh, yes. Um, but think of the first thing that pops in your head. But what is a book that you've read that you're like, I wish I wrote this? Mm, well, I'm going to have to go back to C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. That's a good is, one. I try to read it once every year. It's so, it just, and you can read a sentence sometimes and it's like, okay, I'll just step back and ponder that then because it's so good. And his mm -hmm. writing is very, it's just very strong. So I, I, I mean, I love John Grisham, you know, is a great author in terms of just like you keep swept in the, away in the story so quickly. But yeah. in terms of anything I would have written a book, it would have to be Mere Christianity. Wow, that's yes. good. One. And what are some sources of inspiration for you? Well, the Word of God, first of all, uh, I'm oftentimes I'll be reading something in Scripture, and it'll start the idea of a story. So I, I think that's one of my first places. Um, watching my kids interact and play and mm -hmm. sing and play sports. Now my grandkids are are going to be coming up and doing that. Watching them play soccer. And I think conversations around the dinner table. We do a lot of question games at the table while oh, we're wow. eating. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. So, and we, you know, like, okay, what would you, if you had a million dollars and you had to give it away, you've got <laughs> to give the whole thing away, what would you give it to? Or you couldn't yeah. give it away. What are you going to, what are you going to do to further your future with a million dollars? Whatever. Just like one, you know, who, which of the disciples would you wish to have lunch with and why? And just, you know, fun conversations but that's a real inspiration to me and music i mean i'm a huge fan of you know all things music and uh, so yeah i mean there's i feel i find inspiration in trees i love trees i think god's always i'm i try to be a detective of yeah. what god is showing me in the day like yeah. the emotions and things so i look for those miraculous moments and i have my eyes open and my ears and my heart open to see those things because they're no doubt going to wind up in a book. Yeah. <laughs> so what inspired the current book? 
Well, forgiving Paris involves this situation. Like I said, where you know, Ashley had an affair when she was 19 with a married artist. Mm -hmm. We knew about that. Like if you've been reading about the Baxters, you know that. But you've waited 20 years to find out exactly what happened in Paris. Um, so uh, I think it was that. a story that was always there, mm -hmm. but I knew because I can't expect people to have read a book that I wrote 20 years ago. So it's a standalone. <laughs> it really will have all you need is right there in Forgiving Paris. But it was a book that was in my heart and it was just a matter of time as to when I would write it. Yeah. Yes. And what would you like for your legacy to be? What would you like to be most known and remembered for? Well, I, I often say this, you know, that people come and tell me about how they love the books and I have 25 million books sold. That sort of thing is all great. But at the end of the day, I want my family and friends to remember me for the story that I wrote with the days of my life. And in that story that I loved well and laughed often, that I looked for the miraculous and lived my life on mission. Those are the things. That's what I want to be remembered for. I love that. And if you could say anything to your fans and followers and readers, what would you want to tell them? Um, I pray for you and I love you and you are on my heart. I can't wait for you to read Forgiving Paris. So check out my website at KarenKingsbury.com. So what's next? Yeah, I've got a prequel to the Baxter since the Baxter TV show is coming out. Yeah, um, that's coming out next year. So in anticipation of that, I wrote a book called The Baxters, same name as the TV show. And it's a prequel. So it now becomes the new book one. Uh, when they're in their mm -hmm. early 20s, the Baxter kids are, you know, they're these adult kids that are finding their way. So that is now going to be out in April. And that's that's the next thing. So I'm super excited about it. So where do you see yourself next five to 10 years? What's that vision for your company and you? That's such a great. No one really asked that. That's a great question. Um, I have an answer for you. <laughs> we have we have TV series that are being made on. There's three TV series that by the end of next year should be on TV based on my books. Um, I would like to produce my own film as well based on my books. I, I have, I love screenwriting. So I, th I think if the next five to 10 years will be heavy on film and screenwriting, mm -hmm. I start a new series. Uh, I'll be doing these signature events. And I feel like we, we, we also have a dream of maybe opening in um, Tennessee, a wedding venue of all oh, things. Wow. I, I have a dream of doing that. So yeah, I've got a lot on the, a lot, that I'm lifting up to the Lord as dreams. Love that. Yeah. <clears throat> so as we close out here, what advice would you give someone who feels like they're called to write? Well, you know, to me, you need to read in the genre that you want to write in. That's the first thing. Reading will be your first classroom. And then keep writing. Like every day, find a way to, to even for five or 10 minutes, write. Write out your outline, write out your ideas. Don't let anything go to waste. And don't worry about whether it's perfect because you can always change it later. And then I guess I would say what my dad said to me that, you know, give it your best shot because somebody has to be the next best-selling author and it might as well be you. I love that. And that's yes. a great way to close out. So tell everybody how they can find you. Yeah, the best way is at KarenKingsbury.com. And that's on the homepage there. You'll see a trailer, a book trailer on Forgiving Paris and a way to purchase from wherever your favorite location is. Love that. You know, we really enjoyed having you on the show today. Yes. We look forward to having you back a third time down the road. Yes. Yes. That'd be great. We'll have more to talk about next time. Exactly. That sounds great. Every time gets better. Yes. Yeah. All right, Chris and Sandy, thank you so much. Right, you oh, have a thank great day. you. Have a good one. Thanks.